In the twilight hour between daylight and darkness, on what had been another sunny Monday in Phnom Penh, soon after the sun sank behind the sloping roofs of the royal palace where swarms of sleepy pigeons sat to roost, the funeral pyre of King Father Norodom Sihanouk was ignited for sacred cremation. Beside the royal palace, Sihanouk's body lay at rest in the Ville Pramine, the king's crematorium of elegant white walls and elaborate golden roofs where enrobed monks sat in ceaseless prayer. I stood across the street from the tall front gate and a crowd of some thirty bewildered journalists uniformly dressed in white button-up shirts and black slacks as we waited with cameras ready for the flames to rise. My white shirt was my ticket to stand among the uniformed journalists. The only noticeable differences between us were the official-looking press passes and expensive-looking cameras hung around their necks, while I stood holding an iPad. My shirt was not as crisp as it had been the day I bought it four days earlier for $11 at a men's clothing shop near my guest house. Now wrinkles overcame the garment's starch white freshness, and a brown tinge of sweat and dirt had worked up inside the collar and along the creases of my sleeves, rolled up as I walked in the heat of the sun. Standing among the journalists, a Cambodian reporter asked me what paper I was with. I didn't see your ID, she said. The young lady stood no higher than my shoulder with what looked like a cannon rebel strung around her neck, her curious eyes inspecting me through black frame glasses. What ID? I replied with a coy smile. The king who lies in the diamond urn. On holiday from my university in China, I had traveled to Cambodia for the warmer weather, and to escape the noise and chaos of 1.3 billion Chinese celebrating their spring festival. But as fate would have it, my plane from Kuanmyung would arrive in Phnom Penh only a few days before the king's week-long funeral was to begin on February.1. And like most Westerners who travel Southeast Asia for the first time without a Lonely Planet guidebook, I had arrived in Cambodia ignorant of both the country and its culture, but willing to learn. One day outside the royal palace I met a young man dressed in the standard funeral attire of white shirt, black slacks. He held a slick Samsung Galaxy 111 phone, and introduced himself as the son-in-law of the second governor of Phnom Penh. When I told him how little I knew about Cambodian history, he happily told me a brief history of his country and the deceased king. He is a hero. He is king father, said Soren Vanet. He brought back freedom from France in 1954. Sihanouk's first term as king of Cambodia began in 1941, when Cambodia was still a colony of French Indochina. But in 1954, King Sihanouk famously outwitted the French, winning independence for his country. He soon abdicated the throne to his father, the previous king, and took up the title of Prime Minister of Cambodia. And, Sihanouk, developed everything in Cambodia, Vanet said. Even the economy, even the culture, everything. Sihanouk often changed political titles. However, he effectively ruled the country until 1970, when he was deposed and the new Khmer Republic took control. Indeed, Cambodian history in the 20th century wasn't all smiles and roses. Vanit mentions the 1979 documentary, Year Zero, The Silent Death of Cambodia, which recounts the U.S. bombing of Cambodia in 1970 and the later genocide led by Pol Pot and his Khmer Rouge militia. Everybody's dead everywhere, Vanit said. It's so sad. After 13 years in exile, Sihanouk regained the throne, ruling once again as king of Cambodia in 1993. A decade later, he again abdicated the throne, this time in favor of his eldest son Norodom Siamoni, the current king, who had once been a ballet coach. I soon learned that the king father Norodom Sihanouk had died of a heart attack nearly four months prior on October 15 in a hospital in Beijing, just weeks before his 90th birthday. Sihanouk had lived out his final days in a North Korean palace in Pyongyang and later in Beijing, where he received medical treatment for his ailing body. 
Moreover, Sihanouk is listed in the Guinness Book of World Records as the politician having had the greatest variety of political offices. When he abdicated the throne in favor of his son in 2004, he took up the title of King Father. Upon his death, Sihanouk's body was paraded through the streets of Phnom Penh to the royal palace in a vehicle the shape of a mythical golden bird. And King Simoni anointed his father with one last title, which translated from the Khmer reads, The King Who Lies in the Diamond Urn. But before I learned anything about Sihanouk, I could see how his people had loved him. Chasing pigeons, releasing the birds. Since Sihanouk's funeral began on Friday, the country's mourning had reached a long-awaited climax. Continual masses of mourners, wearing sandals and white shirts pinned with black ribbons, walked the streets of Phnom Penh, their hands full of white lotus flowers and gold-framed portraits of the beloved King Father. At nearly every corner in the center of the city uniformed guards manned roadblocks to prevent car, scooter and tuk-tuk traffic, while monks and mourners alike squeezed between the metal road barriers, in their pilgrimage to and from the royal palace to pay their final respects to the king. On Thursday, I strolled across the wide public lawn in front of the royal palace, and observed the mourners who had traveled to their capital city from all over the country, many perhaps for the first time. Groups of young Buddhist monks dressed in orange robes snapped pictures with smartphones. City peasants sold sticks of incense, lotus flowers and handmade pins with the king's portrait, which everyone was wearing. Energetic and unsupervised, small children chased pigeons on the lawn until they collapsed in the grass, exhausted and empty-handed. Meanwhile the city's population continued to grow as peasants from the countryside arrived by the truckload, packed into the large beds of their work vehicles where normally vegetables or chickens might be piled. Outside the royal palace, I paid a man two dollars to release a few finches from a cage he held on the curb where he was squatting. Putting down his cigarette on the curb, he pulled two small sickly birds from the cage and thrust them at me with a half-toothy smile. I humbly reclined the offer, fearing avionic flu. Finally the vendor released the birds for his own good luck or blessing. Praising the past and fancying the future. I stood on a fenced-off side street between the royal palace and the Ville Pra mine, peering in over the fence at the cremation grounds, when a young Cambodian man approached me speaking English. As we talked, I asked his opinion of the deceased king. He was a very talented man. He spoke ten languages, said Binyan, 21, from Stung Trine province. He was, a writer, composer, politician, king, and musician all in one person. Living with the monks in a nearby what, Yan is a political science freshman at Panizastri University of Cambodia in Phnom Penh, and very ambitious. The class president, he plays the violin, guitar and piano, and claims to speak five languages, Cambodian, Laos, Thai, Chinese, and English. And a little French, he said. During the week, Yan is a DJ at a local radio station. But he has bigger plans for his future. I want to be Prime Minister of Cambodia, Yan said. That's my goal. To be, leader of this country. And what would he do? I want to change Cambodia to be the richest country in Asia, that's my plan. To become the Prime Minister of Cambodia is a lofty goal for Yan, who is not descended from either the Narodams or the Saisawaths, of which the late Sihanouk was born. The two royal families have maintained a ruling grip on the country for centuries, surviving the government upheavals of the 20th century. For all his praise of the past and political ambition, the young Yan is not free from Western influence. After all, Cambodia is a country that trades its own currency along with US dollars, which can be withdrawn from the ATMs. Abraham Lincoln is my hero, Yan said. Climbing a barrier to greener pastures. On Monday, the day of Sihanouk's cremation, the morning masses were blocked from entering center of the city where the streets were swept clean and silent, and where along the riverbank cannons were set up to fire into the sky at sundown. 
It had been easy enough to climb over a road barrier following a small group of other Westerners whose guest house fortunately fell within the grounds of the Royal Palace area. A company of soldiers in charge of the cannons was at ease sitting in a row on a concrete ledge alongside the riverbank. They were enjoying the nice weather and peacefulness of the city centre without swarms of people and duties to perform. Cautiously, I strolled on across the street to the great green lawn in front of the royal palace where days earlier I watched crowds from all over the country publicly mourn their deceased king, praying on mass and burning heaps of incense, as children chased flocks of pigeons, which dashed through the sky like grey confetti. Now the palace lawn was vacant but for the pigeons resting in the grass, cooing gently. As the sun reached the top of the palace roof, a golden light fell over the lawn and the chanting of monks, broadcast on loudspeakers, echoed through the air. The lighting of the funeral pyre. A call went through the crowd of journalists, no photography for five minutes out of respect for the king father. Cameras were switched off and hung around our necks or pointed at the ground. A few impatient westerners scoffed into the silence as the whole city held its breath. But we were not alone. Over our shoulders a few mourners had crept in among us and began to openly wail. In an instant, cameras clicked back on and journalists turned inward to capture the pitiless emotion. A barefooted, elderly monk wearing an orange robe and walking with a cane sat down on the sidewalk and began to pray. Suddenly a crowd of people gathered to kneel before the old monk holding small paper bills and asking for his Buddhist blessing. The scene went on this way for nearly 20 minutes as a few distracted journalists snapped photos with their flash cameras. Meanwhile the Sihanouk's funeral pyre had been lit and clouds of sacred white smoke billowed from the inner chamber of the crematorium where his body now lay burning. The remaining tint of daylight drained from the sky and strands of golden lights illuminated the buildings against the deepening shadows of dust. Scattered Ashes and Sandal Culture With the ashes of King Father Norodom Sihanouk scattered in the Mekong River, the flow of life in Phnom Penh returned to its normal pace, a pace that, over the course of his lifetime, Sihanouk had helped to create. The guards looked sleepy and restless and ready to leave their assigned street corners. Then, at midweek, the barriers opened up throughout the city centre. Endless streams of motor scooters and tuk-tuks flowed back into the narrow one-lane streets again and shops reopened for business. When the sun was down, shadows fell a little darker over the city, western tourists crowded the bars again to guzzle mugfuls of Encore beer while sleepy tuk-tuk drivers waited patiently outside, and women on motor scooters approached men walking to their guesthouses beneath street lamps. Monks returned to their watts, peasants to their farms in the countryside and students to their universities. The locals unbuttoned their white shirts and had them dry cleaned for rare future use on special occasions. The young men also changed into clean slacks and exchanged their soiled white button-ups for clean, collared shirts, as did the young women, who changed their skirts. Nobody changed his or her sandals. My friend Matthew Paget, who has visited the country several times, best describes the Cambodian mindset. It's an attitude that says, I'm not in a hurry to get where I'm going, so I'm wearing sandals. I'm going to take it easy while the sun is still shining. So Cambodia's sandal culture endures, as perhaps it always has and always will. Hash